Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Rashmore Conti Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Year 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, joined by Grant Mona and G.A. Wiley. Let's not waste any time though. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Money Mona. Grant, how are you? Doing good. Uh, it's my birthday today, Arash. Oh. And the Clippers look excellent. Uh, they had a little bit of a slip up, but the Rams, not so well. And USC, not so well, but we will get through it. We'll get through it. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank I did you. not know that when we made this scheduling change. So happy to have you back on and Appreciate on it. your birthday. Uh, GA, how about this? It's Grant Money Mono's birthday. <laughs> I know. I was about to say, I'm like, I wish that, uh, you know, the Rams gave you a better birthday present, man. But uh, happy birthday. At least the Clippers are still, you know, on track yeah. to, to giving you a, a great birthday. So uh, happy birthday. It. What are you, what are you, you doing for it? Uh, nothing. I, I kind of celebrated over the weekend because, you know, you're not going to celebrate on a weekday. I mean, you could, but <laughs> yeah. I usually celebrate on the weekend. So we did everything, dinner, gifts, standard stuff, watch sports like I usually do. But <laughs> yeah, standard stuff. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky you get gifts still. <laughs> Jealous, man. <laughs> Greg, before we get into the good news, let's kind of deal with the bad news. I was at that game uh, yesterday. You know, I, I think you know my backstory. You know, grew up as a Cowboys fan, but did adopt the Rams since they moved to Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, one of those rare games where. Um, I guess technically, like as a fan, couldn't lose. But um, worst performance of the season on the field by the Rams, even worse so, uh, Stafford goes out in the third quarter, thumb. Uh, we don't know all the specifics. My guess, though, with the bye week coming up after that chilly game in Green Bay, um, I, I, my guess is that he's not going to play in the Green Bay, give it an extra week off. But, uh, Grant, uh, first talk about their performance on the field again. When they played the best teams in the league, it's not that they've beaten them, but they've played them very well. They've they've had the lead at one point. It's a close game. It's a one score game. This was uh, this was done from the first half. Uh, the Cowboys absolutely ran away in the second half. What happened in this game? It's crazy because the first possession, the first drive for the Cowboys, there were three sacks on yeah. that drive, and that illegal contact penalty kind of threw everything away for the Rams. Um, and and after that, it just seemed like Dak Prescott and that offense locked in. And the Rams' defense, I mean, this was the worst I've seen them play all year. And it's kind of crazy to say that because you think going into this Cowboys game that they could hang in there. I thought it would be a close game throughout, and it just was not. Um, you know, after those first couple possessions, 
that the Rams had on defense. Aaron Donald was getting to the quarterback. They were getting pressure on Dak Prescott. Um, it looked like it was going to be one of those days for Dak in that offense. And then this Rams defense, it just looked like they were out of sorts. I mean, they could not cover CeeDee Lamb to save their life. And, you know, obviously CeeDee Lamb is an excellent player, but there are ways to, to stunt him and, and get him out of his rhythm and as well as Dak Prescott. And the Cowboys running game, it wasn't even as good as it could be. And they still ran all over the Rams. They still passed all over the Rams. And the Rams offense... Um, you know, Stafford has, he just took a beating and he's, he, you know, with, with Rob Havenstein out at right tackle, you kind of knew that that was going to happen. Rob Havenstein has been their best offensive lineman. And with him out, you know, there's, there's not much you can do against Micah Parsons. So, uh, you know, he got a lot of pressure on him. You know, he was sacked a few times. He got banged up really bad. And by all accounts, it looks like Matthew Stafford is not going to play next week. It doesn't look like he's going to play. I mean, he could. He could play next week. Yeah. Um, we don't know. We're going to have to see some tests and x-rays and MRIs and all that stuff um, to see if that actually happens. But for Matthew Stafford, I mean, I just think that, you know, you got to keep going. you and that's not going to get it done. Brett Rippian is not going to get it done for this team. He did not look that good coming in for Matthew Stafford. I know it was a blowout, and I know they're already they, their backs are already against the wall. But you can't go into these. Ne- you're still three and five. Let's take it that way. The Rams are still three and five. It's not out of the question that they make the playoffs. It's just looking a little bit more bleak now that you have an injury to Matthew Stafford, who by all accounts looked pretty good in those these first six, seven weeks. Um, I know he's had a few blunders here and there, but Matthew Stafford has gotten back to that top 10 quarterback look, that status. And to have him go down, I mean, he had a, a pretty cool play. It looked like the Philly special. He had yeah. a pretty cool play to get a two-point conversion. And Sean McVay later said, I think it was in his post-game presser, that that was the play where it really hurt his thumb. Which uh. It's questionable to run a play like that for a guy with a, a hurt thumb, but it was pretty cool to see. But for the Rams going forward, the trading deadlines this week, are you going to make a move? Probably not, because this is still a rebuild, retool year for the Rams. So you can't really go all in on this team. Uh, and at this point, now that they're three, if they were five and four, if yeah. they were four and four, whatever it may be, I could see it. But right now, a lot of disarray. I'm just, I'm, I'm questioning where this team goes right now because they have to sign a quarterback. I don't think they're going to make any major moves, and they're playing at Green Bay, which they've never had success next week. You know, and, and, and you bring up a good point in terms of them not making a move. Yes, if they were five and four, perhaps they consist, consider it. Here's why I think that they should not. Uh, and you know this as well. You know, for the first year, for the first time since they drafted Jared Goff for the first overall pick, they have their first round pick. So if you did not have your first round pick, there's no incentive to tank when you don't have your first round pick but now that they do it i'm not saying that they're going to tank but they did go into the season with the mindset of you know listen we're going to kick the can down the road we're we're not going to make any big signings we're not going to make any big moves and um this happened organically again we kind of figured at some point players would go down again cooper cup misses the beginning of the season now matthew stafford goes down uh, you know, it, it's a, 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 it's an unfortunate reality for the Rams that certain players will go down. But, you know, with them being below 500 and now Stafford goes down, 
Listen, you, you have your first round pick. I'm not saying that it's going to be a top five pick, but, but it could. And so uh, the incentive in my mind is not there for a big move. You're, you're, you're not, um, the crazy thing about it though, Grant, is, you know, you know, if the Rams had been playing as well as they had been, all of a sudden you look at the division in San Francisco's lost three straight games. You beat Seattle that first game of the year. So you kind of have that tiebreaker, uh, you know, and so, in a weird way, they they would have been in the conversation for the division, but um, probably not going to make any moves there. Um, let's switch gears and talk about the USC Trojans. They they get the win on Saturday at Cal, but my goodness, I mean, it took Cal bypassing a PAT for them to score fifty points and send the game into overtime. Um, so that they get the win, I, 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 it's hard to celebrate a win like that. But now they close out the season with three games that will define their season in terms of let's see where they go from here. They play Washington at home, um, then they go to Eugene. And my goodness, I, I just don't want that to be as big of a blowout as I think it will be. And then they close out the season at home at the Coliseum against UCLA. Now, the good thing is they have three very tough games. But two of those three are at home. And I don't, and listen, I do think Washington will win, but Washington has not looked as good as people thought that they uh, would and they should for being a top five team. Put it in context, Grant. Again, it's been such a weird year for USC because yes, they are still in the top 25, but there's not been one week. There's not been one victory. There's not been one game where I felt good about this team. I know it's, it's, it's so unfortunate because, you know, going into the, these weeks, we, you know, at the beginning of the season, we would think, oh my goodness, what a matchup, Washington and USC. Maybe USC is undefeated this time. Maybe they only have one loss. And here we are, and we, we have these questions. Arash, you, you, just your tone alone just tells the story. I mean, <laughs> going into these games, you would think that USC would have a fighting chance, and they do have a fighting chance. I'm not going to count out USC in any of these games because, like I've said in weeks before, they have plenty of talent. It's just that they haven't performed up to snuff, and they haven't you know, their defense just doesn't have the talent that some of these power five schools have. And the offensive line is broken down all these things, but you play Washington at home. It's going to be really cool to see the Coliseum ruckus and full, and it's going to be a great environment, but we saw that against Utah as well. And yeah. USC put up that game against Utah at home uh, in prime time. And, I just, right now, I have a lot, I don't really have a lot of confidence in this team. You go up against Cal and you, you know, they're up 16 to 7. I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is another one of those USC get right games. They're going to get back to what they do. And then, you know, I go away for 10 minutes and I look back and it's 28 to 17. And I yeah. think that's just the story of this USC team this year is that you can, there's such a fine line between what the offense can do, can provide you and what the defense is going to give up. Because the offense, look, they put up 50 points. I mean, they put up 50 points on a Cal team that you should put up 50 points on. But it's just that defense that continues to give up the big play, continues to give up that third down. I mean, Cal's running back ran for over 200 yards <laughs> uh, against USC. And that's a big reason why USC has gotten down in a lot of these games and, and hasn't been able to hold leads is because the, the run game for the opposing team has just crushed them. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of heat on Alex Grinch and, you know, for good reason. I mean, a lot of his schemes aren't really good and he, he'll probably be gone at the end of the year. But if you're Alex Grinch, I think you're just playing for another job right now. You got to go know. into these games and just say, 
hey, I'm going to piece something together, you know, whatever you can at this point with Shane Lee and Gentry. You got to do something to stop Penix and Bo Nix and Dante Moore. These three quarterbacks are very elite, and you're going to be playing elite teams. Look, if USC gets through these three games, two and one, yeah. let's just say three and oh, why not? There's still a very good chance. I mean, USC is still at the top of the Pac-12 standings. Not at the top, but they're near the top of the Pac-12 yeah. standings. So, you know, there are silver linings here, but it's just, it, there, it, there's nothing that gives me confidence right now. Let's just say that. And I'm I'm sure a lot of USC fans feel the same way. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Washington has opened up at, at Circus Sports as a four and a half point favorite. Again, Low number, but if, if you've followed Washington these last two weeks, they've won, but they've not won decisively. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe USC coming back for the Coliseum. Um, again, USC has played well at the Coliseum. Again, the Utah game is the one game that they've lost during their time with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. All right, so now let's go to the positive here. Uh, the Clippers. Um, Following a difficult loss to Utah, and I want you to touch on that game because it was only the second game of the year, but I saw a lot of Clipper fans, um, you know, kind of talk about, okay, this could be a really bad trend. So, but then they respond by beating the Spurs handily, uh, and uh, they are now two and one on the season. Uh, first talk about the Utah game. Um, Listen, it's game two. It's a long season. What, but what stood out about that game and what had a lot of Clipper fans questioning um, what what um, happened there? I think it was the process, Arash. I think it was just, it, it looked a lot like last year's team and that's not what you want to have going into a new year, um, especially it being the first row game. And look, the, the Clippers are 0-8 or 0-9 in their last nine games in Utah. Oh. So they have never won in Utah really in, in recent memory. Um, but that's no excuse this team coming out of training camp and coming out of the preseason there is an an emphasis on being locked in in every game not just home games not just against good teams but every game locked in on the defensive end having that intensity that energy russell westbrook had a bad game let's just call it what it is he had a bad game on offense he did play decent defense and this team they did play okay defense. I think Utah just shot the lights out of the ball. Mm-hmm. The Clippers shot over 50% in every quarter in that Utah game. So the offense wasn't the issue. The issue was the defensive rebounding and the defensive perimeter defending. And they could not stop Laurie Markinen. Their side, they were undersized. And for a team like the Clippers where you think, oh, they have a bunch of wings. They have Robert Covington, Kawhi Leonard. They have Zubats and Plumlee. They got destroyed on the boards. And that's something that we saw last year before the Clippers got a true center and Plumlee at the deadline was the question of the backup center and will the rebounding and the defense be there and in Utah it was not there and it just had a lot of Clipper fans clamoring about oh here we go again this trend of you know they're not getting up for games that they should and you know I know it's early on and I know that it's the second game of the season but these games you have to win these early games is what killed the Clippers last year when they didn't take it seriously and at the end of the year they're clawing and scratching for that seventh that's six seven seed they're in that conversation these are the games you got every contending team gets off the hot starts and i know that lebron's Cavs teams are kind of an anomaly because they got off to a nine and eight start whatever but usually contending teams get off to a 15 and five start a 10 and two start whatever it may be and this team that's why a lot of clipper fans and a lot of clipper media were saying after the game in the locker room it was hanging heads it was distraught it was quiet 
because these guys know I, that's something that's that's switched from last year is that these guys know how important these games are now because they went through it last year and they came out against the Spurs last night and just put it onto them. They took Victor Webb and Yama out of the game. They played physical. They played aggressive. They're excellent on the offensive end. They were getting to their spots. They're getting guys off of the perimeter um, and they're getting their hand. I mean, Paul George had five steals in the first quarter. That just sets the tone for the rest of the game. So it was good to see a bounce back after that. But there were concerns in that Utah game where you can point to and be like, okay, here we go again. It's just like 22-23. But it's good because last year you didn't see that bounce back game. You didn't see that the next game where you'd go in and play San Antonio and beat them by 40. It was the first time the Clippers have ever beat in San Antonio by 40. So good steps, but there's also things to clean up. Defensive rebounding being the, the main one. Um, I, I want to bring up one question about the World Series, watching that game one at Globe Life Field. And it really does feel like a home away from home for the Dodgers again because they won the World Series there in 2020. But seeing Corey Seager hit a, a two-run game-tying bottom of the ninth homer. I mean, there's some players, and you love this word, the moxie, you know, come playoff mm-hmm. time. Um I, I don't know if the Dodgers really could have done like anything too differently. I, I think that they made a very fair contract offer to Seager. At the end of the day, they were comfortable. But, I mean, seeing Corey um, having the postseason that he's had, um, how does that make you feel? And, and, and do you kind of hope that, I mean, obviously, like, that they, they could have worked something out here? Yeah, it's it's the one that got away, which is a lot of a lot of Dodger fan sentiment right now. Um, there's been a couple of players like that too. I mean, you know, you can point to Trey Turner, but Trey Turner, it seemed like he was going to the East Coast regardless. So the Dodgers really couldn't have done anything there. Um, and Corey Seager, I mean, he was one of the best players that I've seen in that 2020 World Series yeah. run. I mean, he was. That's probably why he signed with Texas because he just raked in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Corey Seager, look. He was a guy that was brought up in the Dodgers system. Uh, you know, he was a guy that was kind of like their own. It was the Dodgers' own. And to see him doing it in a similar colored uniform in yeah. the same stadium, you know, with a full crowd now, it's just, yeah. I don't know it's, if it's full circle or if it's just, it's hurtful. <laughs> but, um, you know, to see Corey Seager do that, it, it's really cool because, you know, I know that he's such a great player. Um, I know that he still loves Los Angeles, you know, how they embraced him. And I know that he loves Texas. And what Texas is doing right now is really something remarkable. So it's cool to see, but it also really, really hurts as somebody that follows the Dodgers so closely. Um, yeah, yeah. I, c- I could not agree with you more, man. Watching Seager play, like, you, half of you as a Dodger fan is really happy for him, but the other half is yeah. like, man, what could have been, right? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to go back to the Clippers and talk about that consistency. You're totally right, Grant. I wish that they had this consistency throughout the whole entire year. Do you think that that's probably going to happen as far as this winning is concerned early on in the season? Uh, yeah, I think it will this year. I think that I'm just seeing a switch in mentality, a switch in aggressiveness um, that I haven't seen from this duo, not just this duo, but this entire team since probably 2020, 2021, when they got to the Western Conference Finals. That was a year that was like a redemption year. That was when a lot of people weren't talking about them. They were talking about them choking the 3-1 lead, much like last year when everyone got hurt and now nobody has them in any conversations. I've seen some people have them at a 11 and 12 seed, which is completely ridiculous. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yes, I have seen it. And 
I think they're taking it to heart. They've seen the media. Now that Paul George has a podcast, he's in the media all the time. Yeah. He knows and he's hearing these things. And Paul George has looked like the best player on the Clippers so far. He's averaging 27.1 points per game. He's averaging, I think, three steals a game. His three-point shot looks good. He's getting to his spots defensively. He's swarming everybody. That's the kind of team that they have. And Paul George said this post game. He said, this is what happens when you put these defensive players together. This is what it should have been last year. That's kind of what he said. And now you're seeing it in fruition right now. This is what they should be every game. I know it's you're, you're playing the Blazers and the Spurs. I get it. But when you're, you know, the real test now is Wednesday against the Lakers. That is the first real test to see, Jihei, if this yeah. consistency is real. Uh, Jihei, last 60 seconds. Uh, Duke had a big uh, commit. My oh. friend, uh, talk about Cooper uh, Flag. That's right. Let's go, UConn. You can suck it. Um, <laughs> thinking you're going to get Cooper Flag, please. Come on, people. Let's be realistic. Um, phenomenal. This whole weekend, I was not, I'm not going to lie to you. I was on a high. Um, I know that he made his commitment today, but um, all of Duke fans already knew that that kid was coming to us come Friday. So uh, super excited. Welcome to the Brotherhood, Cooper Flag. Uh, very, very excited, very stoked for this kid. He's going to do phenomenal things. I'm just really hoping that maybe some guys stay back, some of that core group of freshmen stay back, and that we can possibly win a title. That's, I mean, like, all this recruiting is great, and I'm really happy for it. We've had such phenomenal success when it comes to recruiting, but now it's time to win a championship. So, there you, there you uh, go, no Final Four, That's let's win that title. Wanted to give you your flowers. Uh, Grant, you're the best. We'll um, have you back on very soon, my friend. And happy, happy birthday. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Listen, hope, hope, hopefully things turn out well for some of the other teams. <laughs> and, uh, uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Fernando Ramirez. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now, in a city where time disappears. We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Fernando Ramirez. Fernando, how are you? Arash, I'm doing well. Uh, just another another day in, in paradise, I guess. I mean, the weather down here is nice. I mean, the Santa Ana winds are starting to blow, but... Uh, other than that, pretty doing pretty well. I mean, I hope 
fire season, so I'm keeping I my know. fingers crossed that nothing crazy uh, happens. It was recently, actually, the 20-year anniversary of uh, those wildfires of 2003. I remember we were evacuated, and it was just, we were all at my grandparents' house, just crazy, crazy stuff. I remember that, though. Was that when the Arnold Schwarzenegger famous one yes. happened? Go yeah, and then LT, uh, yeah, it was the go, Chajas, go, and LT runs in with the American flag, and uh, yeah, that that was the that was the time they were the and he ran in. Oh no, no, no. El, Sean Merriman ran in with a with a what's it called with a uh, with a fireman's helmet and oh, other wow. players did stuff like that. So yeah, it was a it was a wild time. I mean, they they really. I mean, I don't think our our um, our firemen and and uh, yeah, you know, EMTs and all that. I don't think oh, they yeah. enough love and. And all that, you know what I've been noticing, Arash. My bad. I, I don't mean to to go on on this. People don't move for ambulances anymore. Oh, it's noticing. crazy. I I have seen that. That is ridiculous. I mean, they, yeah. like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like this, it's an emergency. The reason that those suckers <laughs> are going is an yeah. emergency, folks. Yeah, I'm like, dude. Like, people are lucky. I don't have one of those uh one of those cars that like I could just play bumper cars with and bump you out of the way because. Man, it's like you don't know what's happening. Like somebody could be dying, or they really yeah. need help. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> no, it's 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 ridiculous. Uh, you have the uh, cover story uh, today in the Sporting Tribune. Near perfect game for Justin Herbert: thirty-one of forty, two hundred and ninety-eight yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, for him to play that way with that. Um, I don't know why, you know, the, the, the big thing on his finger, obviously. Yeah. Uh, talk about the performance again. You touched on it going into this game. We said it before, but I mean, clearly a must win game. It's a home game, Sunday night, yeah. Chicago Bears. Chicago's not uh, that, that great this season, but regardless, uh, the Chargers needed this win, and Justin Herbert stepped up when his team needed him the most. Touch on that and yeah. uh, how this game came together for the Chargers. You know, it's funny, Arash, it reminds me when Kobe had his middle finger problem. Oh, that's right. And he kind of showed you guys as the media uh, his middle, like he put up his <laughs> that's middle right. finger. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what, what happens when I see Justin Herbert with his middle finger uh, yeah. injury. But yesterday, Arash, no, no glove. And why no glove? So last week, it kind of like, it's a funny story. They had to rip off the middle finger of a bigger glove so it could fit, and they sewed it into a smaller glove so it could fit his hand. Wow. Uh, but ha like in, uh, one or two quarters into the game, it ripped off, so he just ripped the the glove off. And and this week, no glove. He said he felt better. Uh, he said he felt more because during the week he had said that it has been really uncomfortable to grip the ball. Well, it seemed like he had no problem. The first two drives, I think he went eleven for eleven. Austin Eckler got involved. That's a big thing. They needed Austin Eckler to get involved in the passing game. He got involved. Uh, Quentin Johnson on the final drive before halftime, they got him the ball three times. In one of those, he eluded three uh, three defenders, and you're like, okay, that's exactly what you've been looking for when it comes to him. So, uh, so that was good to see. They got uh, obviously Josh Palmer involved. Uh, Donald Parham, who. It's taken him a bit to kind of get going. He had uh, four catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. He looked pretty good as well. This is what they needed. They need Justin to be able to spread the football around. Guys make plays. Um, I thought they did a, a really good job on the offense. In the second half, though, they kind of slowed down a little bit. I, I kind of... I, 
I didn't like that aspect of it. I thought they kind of kicked it in neutral in the second half. Um, I didn't like how long the Chargers left Herbert in. I think as soon as the start of the fourth quarter, when it was 30 to seven, I would have yanked him. I would have yanked some other guys, but obviously I'm not the coach. But the other thing that I found a little bit uh, concerning is the Chargers still giving up big plays on third down. Tyson Badgett on the uh, on the drive where they scored a touchdown, he completed uh, three fourth downs, and then on the third fourth down, they were able to run it in. So that's a little concerning, but the guy said they'll take it. A win's a win. Now they set themselves up for – a big matchup on Monday Night Football in New York against the Jets. So they're three and four this season. And I think if you're looking for some hope or some silver lighting, I mean, the team um, went on a heck of a run a year ago when they were six and six and went into the postseason. So you're, you're not that you're hoping to be, uh, you know, six and six, but when you're three and four, that's a reasonable goal to say, you know, let's go three and two. So again, you touched on it. They have a big game on Monday night against the Jets. Home game against Detroit, go back on the road against Green Bay, home against Baltimore, on the road against New England. We can go down the schedule. But, I mean, how realistic is 6-6? Six and six? And when you look at the division, by the way, you know, the, the Chiefs lose, so that's kind of good. But um, how realistic is them? Is, is the Chargers going on another kind of a hot run and going into the postseason again? Well, I think in the next six games, they could only lose two of those, and they're still in it. I mean, yeah. look at who's ahead of them. The Pittsburgh Steelers, we know they're not for real. Kenny Pickett's injured. They're playing on Thursday night this week against Tennessee, and they're kind of teetering. Cleveland has that Deshaun Watson issue, but I still am not a big believer in them. And, oh, hey, guess who's in the eighth seed? Is I know only seven get in, but it's the Jets at four and three. Amazing. So if you beat the yeah. Jets and you get to four and four, they're four and four. Wow. And uh, you've really set yourself up. Uh, the one issue, obviously, oh, and the other thing is Houston lost as well. Um, the only thing is, obviously, Cincinnati's starting to catch fire. Uh, yeah. so they're they're on their way uh, back. But, I mean, they'll get a divisional um, slot because, like I said, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, I don't think they're for real. Baltimore's the only one that I'm like, oh, yeah, they might be able to win this division. But, yeah, no, I, they just need to go four and two in the next um, – in the next uh, six games, which isn't bad. I mean, but I'm telling you, Arash, right now they're gonna they're gonna end up beating either Detroit or Baltimore, one of those two, to kind of give this uh, give the fans hope. They, I think they'll split those two games um, because I think they're gonna catch one of them off guard, and yeah. and uh, and they'll split with those two. But the other ones, they're must wins. I mean. The Jets, it's Zach Wilson. It's not Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, I'll put respect on Zach Wilson's name. I've said it before. I think he just needs time and a coach that actually cares to kind of get him going. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has kind of, I know he's not a coach, but he. I kind of think he's given Zach Wilson that confidence that he needs. And look at yesterday. With 24 seconds left, he was able to drive the team up and kick a field goal to tie the game and then take it into overtime and win it. Um, but, uh, but you have hit, you have them, then you have Detroit, like you said, yeah, no, they, they do have a tough schedule, but they're all winnable games. I mean, they, the Chargers need to do what they did yesterday, spread the football, protect Justin Herbert. Uh, that's key. And, and like you said, the chiefs lost, I mean, now, you know what though, Rosh, that losing to the chiefs last weekend kind of stings a little bit more. You would have been one game behind them, uh, right now. If, uh, if you would have. Uh, if you were to beat them, but hey, there's no uh, no sense of crying over spilled milk. So 
uh, they just need to keep on going and and uh, just take it like they said, take it one game at a time. And and the defense just needs to play uh, play better. The offense just needs to be able to move the football. And and I'm telling you, Arash, the trade deadline is tomorrow. I would make a move if I was them. I know they won't, okay. but I would make a move. What, what what kind of move do you think is available for them to make? Do they have any trade pieces? What I mean, if you're the GM, if you're Tom Telesco, what kind of move would you look to make? If I was really going to make a big move, I would go call Tennessee and be like, "Hey, let me get DeAndre Hopkins." Wow, yeah, okay. I would. I, and I know, I know, it would hamper. It, it, and I don't even think it would hamper if you're Quinn Johnston and you have DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen ahead of you, you're going to learn so much. Yeah. It, it doesn't put all that pressure on you that there has been these last few games. Josh Palmer's banged up. I think it would help. But the thing is, and I know what's going to happen. They're going to go and say, you know what? Like, Jalen Guyton's coming back. We're fine in that sense. And Jalen Guyton isn't this messiah that everybody's making it out to see. And not messiah, but like fans are kind of putting all their their eggs in that basket. And I'm kind of like, whoa, he's still coming back from an ACL. Like he may not be the same receiver he was before he left. But I mean, to each their own. But DeAndre Hopkins, a name that maybe not a lot of people know, Dante Jackson from uh, Carolina. He's a cornerback. I think he'd be a solid pickup. Um, I don't see them going after like a Montez Sweat or a, a Chase Young, but uh, but I, I think DeAndre Hopkins would be a good addition. I just don't know what Tennessee's thinking in their head because they could be thinking, you know what, we could turn this around. I don't think they can after Will Levis's three. Like Will Levis played out of his mind yesterday, but they they might think, hey, you know what, we can turn this around and, and keep on going. But I just uh, if if I was a charger, I, I'd call on DeAndre Hopkins because you know the Chiefs are going to call in and ask yeah. about DeAndre Hopkins as well. I mean, here's the thing: if, if Tom, if you, if Tom Telesco felt that this season was kind of a do or die season for him, I mean, I think we all think it, it's that way for Brandon Staley. If Tom Telesco felt that way, then maybe he would be forced, or maybe he would be inspired to make a move. I mean, I, I go back to the Rams Super Bowl run. Uh, you know, they make two big in season moves. And both of those guys helped yeah. the team win. And so, um, but I think you're right. I, you, you've, you've covered this team for quite a while. I, I don't think you're, you're going to see them make a big move. And it would be fascinating. And again, we've talked about it. And hopefully just, you know, it doesn't play out like this. But, you know, if, if, if Brandon Stanley loses his job, I mean, if Tom Telesco doesn't go with them, it would be extraordinary. And at that yeah. point, like, I would really have to look back in league history, maybe even sports history, to see a GM who's been able to hire four different head coaches. It's really... Um, Just go down uh, the go down the five. Yeah. Exactly. Look at the, look exactly. at the Padres. <laughs> That's right. By the way, I, 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 you were probably extremely young, but Bruce Bochy, I was just thinking about this, you know, what an amazing career he's had in terms of, you know, he led the Padres to their first World Series. Uh, he was the problem. To the World Series, right? I mean, then, you know, he wins three, uh, three World Series with the Giants, and now he's led Texas. I mean, Texas Texas Rangers lost 100 games, over 100 games two years ago, has them in the World Series. Um yeah, it's it, it's mind blowing. Um, all right, let's uh, switch gears here. <clears throat> Wanted to get your thoughts on, and again, I know we've talked about this, but but again, you covering the league so well. Um, the Caleb Williams situation, I'm very fascinated by. I think these next three games are really going to show, you know, you know where he's going to go and and how USC is going to do. They have Washington at the Coliseum, uh, go on the road to Eugene and play the Ducks, which is going to be 
it could be a blow. I mean, a blowout of the proportions, and then they play UCLA at the Coliseum. Your your thoughts? I mean, like, as a USC fan, just fascinated that they have not been able to figure out defensively. They're so bad. Uh, well, I mean, welcome to Lincoln Riley's uh, kind of tenure. I mean, this is the way he was at Oklahoma. This is kind of what happens at one point. The season kind of unravels. I mean, that's why when they pulled out the red carpet for him, I'm kind of like, dude, like, what is going on? Like, you you know that this guy, I, I know they think he's like some messiah or something, but this is what's happened before for Lincoln Riley. But, yeah, you're right. I think Caleb Williams needs to go out there. Um, I think he needs to show everything that he's got, and I, I, I just be just be yourself. Like, don't try and don't try and not make throws because you think, oh, that if I throw a pick, my uh, don't play cautious because I mean teams can notice that as well. So, like you said, three big games coming up, um, they're going to be tough. I mean, the ending of their, I mean. Everybody who thinks, oh, they, they'll be able to beat UCLA. No, heck no. UCLA is playing no. good defense right now. And uh, they're doing a lot of good things over there. So, um, yeah, no, Caleb Williams. I mean, everybody thought at the beginning of the season, he's a slam dunk number one overall pick. I, I'm, I'm beginning to not think so. I, I really think that teams are going to look at, like, Marvin Harrison Jr. They're going to look elsewhere, and they're going to be like, you know what? Maybe, uh, and I'm not saying Drake may at all. I'm just saying they may look at other positions first. Um, just because Caleb has kind of shown some some tendencies, uh, some weaknesses. I know the one thing that the NFL will not like is him doing that fingernail thing. Like they will oh, not yeah. allow him to, <laughs> yeah. to do, yeah, they will not allow him to do something like that. I'd be surprised if an NFL team asked him that, but or allowed him to do that. But yeah, I just I just think the kid needs to relax, take a deep breath. Don't shoulder all that. Like, I, I, I'm truly impressed with some of the kids that, like a Justin Herbert, who you know, I mean, he cares about winning, yeah. but he's not going to shoulder like, oh, my God, I should be the number one overall pick. Everybody's looking at me like, I need to do this. I need, no, just feel out the game. Like you saw in that Rose Bowl, uh, Justin ran for three touchdowns. He knew that uh, the arm wasn't working. Not the arm, but, like, the passing game just wasn't there. So what did he do? He took it up upon himself, and he took off running, and – and that's kind of what Caleb needs to do. Just feel out the game, see what's working, and just take whatever the the defense is giving you. Don't don't think don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Just relax, take the, a deep breath, and go. Yep. Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you gotta. <sighs> Justin Herbert is just he's he's also just a different different mold. Um, yeah. This yeah, is. Yeah. This is my favorite time of the year. Um, Fernando and Arash's question is for you. It's my favorite time of the year when you get to see all the four majors. That's right. right. And it, it's amazing. NHL is on. NBA is on. Um, and uh, everything is on, right? Uh, Monday Night Football is on. What are you guys looking for? This is also why I wish I kind of lived in Vegas just like Arash, but because um, <laughs> you can go to a casino and just watch everything. You can go to a book and watch everything. <laughs> What are you guys most looking forward to watching tonight? Fernando, I'll go first. Um, listen, I, I like this time of year because you have that Monday where you have, all, if you have two screens or if you're at a sports bar or whatever, you got Monday night football. We got the Raiders and the Lions tonight, and you got game three of the World Series. Uh, but like you said, if you're at a sports book, you got the NBA, you've got 
the, the NHL. If you're like Fernando and myself, you've got Raw, perhaps, on one screen tonight. <laughs> uh, Fernando, Sports Equinox or whatever, Sports Mageddon. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Uh, like you mentioned, Raw and uh, the World <laughs> Series, actually. That Detroit Lions game and, and the Raiders just is a boring combination for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I really think it's going to be a blow. It's going to be like last night's Chargers-Bears game, I think, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for World Series and uh, and Monday Night Raw. I want to see, because I mean, obviously, they're treating this uh, Saudi weekend as, uh, as right. a WrestleMania event, so... Um, so I want to see what, what storylines they hit before uh, they head out there. Let me uh, kind of close with that. This this trip is a big one for, yeah, L.A. Knight. Can L.A. Knight show that he no. is? Okay, no. wow. You didn't even let. Okay, speak on that. Why is he not a main event player? Why will he not raise his level? Yeah, to that occasion. <laughs> I, I don't think he's a good wrestler, Arash. I feel I've you. watched okay. him, and I feel like he gets, like, I don't know. I, I've just watched some of these matches against Solo, against Jim. Like, Jimmy Uso is not, a, uh, like, a lead in a, a lead dancer. Yep. And he had to lead in his match against L.A. Knight. Like, L.A. Knight, to me, is not that guy that can, that can move. Uh, he can move the needle. He can sell shirts. That's great. Mm -hmm. Zack Ryder could do the same thing. But oh, when it comes wow. to, I'm just being honest. No, like, I feel you. <laughs> I mean, and, and honestly, I actually like, I like uh, Matt Cardona more. I think he's really good in that way. I'd love to see him back in WWE. I thought he was a special talent, but I just don't know if LA Knight can wrestle and, and put together a 30 minute match where you're like, damn, okay, he did that. Like, can he really go up against a Cody Rhodes, a Seth Rollins and, and just go toe-to-toe -to -toe for 30 minutes, I don't believe it. So I'm sorry. I know everybody's a huge L.A. Knight fan. They love them some L.A. Knight. I'm just not one of them. Uh, I thought his promo was really stale on Friday. Uh, right. I, I I really have not enjoyed uh, the back and forth between. Like, Roman needs a good dance partner like Cena that's going to give him a good back and forth. L.A. Knight just, like, his catchphrase is what he relies on, and the fans that get yell and everything. And, and I, I just, I really, I mean, this is a, this is a, uh, what's it called? Uh, like, this is just a, a weird version of The Rock and Stone Cold mixed into one, and I just don't yeah. like it. Like, it just, to me, it's kind of loopy, and, and I, I'm just not a fan of LA Knight, to be completely honest. I, I think his catchphrases are cool and everything, and the crowd is really into him, but I just, uh, I'm not a huge, uh, I'm not sold on him. Are you? But, no, I am not. I, I, I do like it. For him, I got to know him a little bit at the performance center. Oh, cool. He is a hard worker, but yeah, I mean, I'm not completely sold on him. One key note before we go to great break um, and close out today: it was interesting seeing Vince uh, with Taker. Yeah, first time you've yeah. seen Vince with the cane, and uh, I think it's very clear why. Uh, yep. You know, listen, uh, we 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 knew Triple H would would be running um, creative. And I think with, yeah. with, with Vince, he's just not able to travel. I, I don't know how much longer he's going to be um, actively a, a part of the company. I do think it's a good thing. I, I don't think anyone has the respect of the locker room quite like Triple H Triple does. H. So I'm very happy uh, for him. Quick 10-second uh, quick yeah. soundbite. Yeah, I had never seen Tyson Fury get touched up. I know. Now I know they're going to move the Usage match, or they're just not going to have it at all because yeah. of the way he got touched up. No, I know. I mean, it just yeah, it's such a great, 
uh, point there. And uh, we'll uh, track that uh, like as we go here. Uh, Fernando, you're the best. We'll uh, have you back on next week. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Until tomorrow, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.